Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are GFFN writers Eric Devine, Philip Bargio, and Lucas Mirani. Bless my soul, an Italian is on a roll, but this is a genuine story of a zero to hero, or is this Hades in disguise? We discuss that and all of the best stories coming out of Liga after the latest headlines. Ren got uh, the league uh, weekend off to a flying start with young substitute Adam Diakabe grabbing the game's only goal in stoppage time as the host prevailed over visiting Gangomp 1-0. Saturday's early match saw Paris Saint-Germain knock back Bordeaux 2-0 at the Parc des Princes, Edinson Cavani netting a brace to bring his league-leading total to eight for the season. In the multiplex, goals were scarce in three matches as three struggling sides earned 1-0 home wins, not beating Bastia, Con dispatched with Toulouse and Leo went over against Nancy, a result that Lissi's Ledo move off the bottom of the table. The evening's other two matches, though, were quite the opposite as 10-man Mets were thrashed by Monaco 7-0 and Montpellier will feel aggrieved to have hoisted Casimir Ninga's hat-trick at Dijon as two own goals were La Palade's undoing elite equaliser from Johan Riviere, earning a point for the hosts. Sunday's early match saw host Angers earn a point against Marseille, who will have trouble digesting Pierrick Capel's late equaliser in a one-all draw. Nice also left it late, with Mario Balotelli's goal three minutes from time, allowing the hosts to remain top in a 2-1 win over Lorient. Not satisfied with just a goal, the striker then was bizarrely dismissed after seemingly having headbutted Lorient Stefan Moreira, but the booking has been rescinded by the French authorities after the game. He will not be serving a suspension for their next match. After a frustrating pair of 1-0 losses in the last two matches, Lyon finally have looked to have some sort of synchronicity, holding off a injury-ravaged Saint-Étienne 2-0 at the Parc OL in a match that featured several fine saves from both Stéphane Ruffier and Anthony Lopez. In injury news, Bastia centre-back Abdelhamid El Kaltari will be forced to have surgery and looks set to miss up to three months, while Montpellier's Daniel Congre is confirmed to be out for approximately a month after suffering a thigh injury last weekend. And that's all for the news. But remember, to keep up to date with everything in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with Nice, who remain top of the league thanks to the mercurial talents of Mario Balotelli. The Italian has five goals in three games, notching up a strike every 51 minutes of Ligue 1 football, according to Opta. That's the best rate of any striker in the top five leagues in Europe. He netted the winner as well at the weekend, and a red card reminded us maybe he wasn't the finished article, although it was in controversial circumstances. But Lucas, how good has he been so far this season at the Alliance Riviera? Well, he's been brilliant, and I think what he's brought to Nice is he's given them a real presence up front, and he's he's, he's finishing, and his his he's been so clinical, and he's only played I think three matches in Ligue 1, but in every single one of those matches he's managed to get on the score sheet, and I think that's partly due to the fact that all the service is going into him, and that's when I think he performs best because if you look at his career. His best season, arguably, was at AC Milan, the first spell he had there, when he was basically the main man, and he's getting service inside the box. And I don't think he plays that well next to a forward, because he's not the most intelligent of players. But if you give him service and you put both crosses into him, he's one of the best finishers in the world, and he will finish chances. Yeah, and that, that goal at the weekend really showed his confidence seems to be up at the moment. Um, Philip, we were sort of maybe slightly reminded of his hot-headedness with a weird phantom headbutt, it seemed, on, on uh, Lorient defender Stefan Moreira. Um, mm. Is that something he maybe needs to keep in check? I mean, there was a moment in a, in a game earlier this year, um, in, the, in the week, where he did clash heads. Um, I think it was, in, I can't remember if it was in Europe or against Monaco, but it's something he does need to keep in check to keep this form going, doesn't he? Yeah, not only that, and he's not even the finished article physically. 
um, this season. This is what's amazing is that he's, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's playing 100% just yet, but uh, he's just showing what uh, true quality brings when he scores that goal at Krasnodar. So he's not even standing up straight. He's, he just catches the ball and strikes it really, really sweet, sweetly. And against Lorient, again, uh, I didn't catch the whole game. Commentators said uh, his performance was underwhelming, but that goal is just uh, absolutely, absolutely superb. The court just could not, uh, could not move, just could not get, get there. Um, so yeah. So first of all, uh, when you'll be the finished article physically, we'll have a great uh, preparation. Uh, I heard you had uh, some kind of um, flu in uh, when you was playing in in, um, in Russia, and that was uh, actually before the game, and it uh, it got it got worse during the game. Um, so there's there's that that um, point, and then yeah, the uh, the attitude. But that, uh, I think, I think we can all say that uh, Mario, Mario is Mario, uh, and I'm not quite sure that uh, he's, uh, uh, he's he can take it out of his game. For unfortunately, I mean, I think I think he did that a few times at Liverpool as well, um, and early in his uh, early in his career, everybody remembers the uh, the tale of Mourinho saying, "Okay, don't 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 screw this up. I've only you're my only striker." And uh, he he tells this uh, at half time and forty uh, seventh minute he gets sent off. So I don't know. I just I just don't think he's going to change right now. Uh, now it's just uh, it just uh, take him uh, the way he is. It almost seems like it's it's one of those little things that you sort of have to take with a with a player of his kind yeah. of stance. But uh, Eric, how has Lucien Favre worked with the Italian, getting him into a, a side that really works for him and pushes Nice into where they are now at, at the top of the, uh, the the league? I think it's a, uh, a combination of two things. One is uh, he's bought, he's got these younger players, and even not so younger players. I'm thinking the likes of Seri and Belanda. Uh, as players who have a bit more experience, uh, to buy into his system and to uh, allow what's really a fantastically talented group of players front to back. You think of the likes of Ricardo Pereira was one of the best right backs in Liga last year. Uh, Eunice Belhandes uh, has a wealth of experience uh, internationally and in the Champions League as well. Uh, he's, he's, he's bought them, he's got them to buy into this system and, that gets the best out of Balotelli. And I think that that's really a testament to his ability as a man manager. Not only tactically to play this this three five two or three five one one, if you will, with Belanda just be, just beyond Balotelli, but uh, just the belief that uh, he's given these players to that faith in Mario, if you will, will pay off. And so far, it has at least domestically. I think that the team have been perhaps a little bit underwhelming last midweek against Krasnodar, but. Uh, did well against Schalke. I think that I think that's more than anything is is to be admired, and he he did that with his best sides at Mönchengladbach as well. And I think that this is uh, what Nice signed up for uh, when they when they brought in the Swiss the manager, just to have someone who's going to have take a talented group of players and get them to reach a level that's uh, collectively more positive than one might expect based on their talent alone. Yeah, and, and it seems like this. It, it's great that he's um, continuing the work of Claude Puel, who's obviously moved on. But those, is there something in the water in Nice, Lucas, for for a revival of a of a storied and, and maligned career, or, or is it this group of players, or is it the role that these players like like Hatem Benarfa did last season of being a more taking that more leadership and being the man at a club? Is that what's really pushing these players to really rediscover their their hidden talents? I think it's a combination of factors. I think obviously um, being in a leadership role it can have a huge impact on a player because Balotelli is now the main man, and if he goes missing, then the team really is going to struggle, and that responsibility can really change players. And it's also a fact that I think I've seen, I've watched the games, the Nice players have really, really done really well to accept Mario into the group and kind of he's hit the ground running I think partly because the players have been so accepting of him and been so accepting of his talent and basically said look we know he's really good let's get him service and we'll be successful as a team so I think it's a combination of those two things 
I think the, the, I'll keep the final question to you as, as well, Lucas, about, about Balotelli. Can he keep this up or can he even push on and, and get to that form that we saw back in the European Championships we all remember um, a good few years ago now where he, he really put a, a barnstormer against Germany. Can he really rediscover those heights at Nice or, or is he th- do you think he's found his level now? I think that the only person who can answer that for sure is Mario because I think he's a fantastically talented player and we've seen that where he's played in performances where he's just been breathtaking and he's just dominated defenders. But his attitude has let him down throughout his career. So it really comes down to um, can he keep his form up? Can he stay focused? Can he work hard every game? And one thing that makes me think that he can is that in the last couple of games, I don't think he's been fully fit, as Philip said. I don't think he's at full fitness, and he's still managed to impact games, despite probably not getting that much of the ball. So I think if he can continue to put away chances, because he will get chances with this Nice team. They, they create chances. I think he can reach another level, and I think that would be a testament to his hard work and a testament to Nice being able to rehabilitate players in, in a way. And what um, what uh, we, we talked about in this uh, at length as well last uh, last week here with um, with Nathan and Lucas. I'm not sure if I answered the question last week, but what what is uh, what is the um, the best team to uh, to accommodate uh, Mario? Is it player or is it Belanda or both? I, I think it's definitely Belanda because um, yeah. I think Nice's best performance of the season, in my opinion, was against Monaco. And in that game, Belhanda played behind Balotelli as kind of a floating attacking midfielder. And I think that suits Balotelli the best because I don't think Balotelli plays that well with a partner. And I think the Balotelli is best when he's getting service, as I said. And I think when he's alone up front, the focus is all on him and he gets the service gets tunneled into him and he's able to get chances inside the box. So I think Definitely, the best team is him, and then Belhanda playing behind him. And we also touched upon um, Nice. So big defeat, five-two in uh, in Russia. Um, and uh, well, how looking looking at the um, at the group table, it doesn't seem to me like Nice will be able to get out of it. Um, are you confident that they will? I have to admit, the one disappointing thing I've found about Nice this season is Europe, because in both games, they put out pretty strong lineups, mm. and and I think that Favre will be very disappointed with how his team performed yeah. in those two games, because he put out his best team, and I think at this point, we're at a point where maybe he needs to say, okay, let's cut our losses and focus on the league, because mm. I don't think it's I don't think they can get out of the group, and if they do, it will take a huge toll on the players. And I think it may be a time to say, okay, let's give some opportunities to players like uh, Remy Walter and Alessand Plea, who haven't maybe gotten as much as many opportunities in the league. So I the think... other side, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. The, the other side they haven't uh, they haven't played yet is uh, Red Bull Salzburg, so the best team in um, the best team in Austria. Um, and I don't know. I just uh, I just reckon that uh, the next game will be uh, make or break. If they win it, they have a chance of staying in, in Europe. If they don't, well, they they'll be out. Which let's face it is not a particularly bad thing for them, uh, given the squad. Um, I mean, they, they've had they've had um, uh, luck compared to Saint Etienne with uh, with injuries. But uh, you look you look at Saint Etienne, they're absolutely shattered uh, in Europe uh, against Anderlecht. They didn't. They, they just. They just looked that they had their head elsewhere. Understandably, um, but um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the uh, that's uh, the real. Uh, not not really. Not necessarily a worry because it would be good for Favre to play a reserve side for in the last three games and focus on Liga. Yeah, because that's, that wouldn't would, that's that wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, certainly. That the, the the position they are in the league is the important bit at the moment. But congrats to to Mario for his for his five goals, and he, hopefully we can see him keep it up. And another youngster to keep an eye on is Lucas. And thank you for joining us this evening, for, uh, Lucas. And we'll we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
we move on now to the real big game of the weekend, and that was on Sunday evening in the form of the Rhone derby, and Lyon got back on track in a 2-0 win. Uh, it was a much-needed victory, wasn't it, Eric? But there was an, an odd tactical switch early on by uh, Bruno Genesio, which was uh, Contentiliso playing at right-back. How did that really work, and was it successful? Oh, I think it worked fantastically well. Is anybody who watched Leon's match against Sevilla will attest that they, Leon were in dire need of a more solid defensive presence at right back. Felicio had played there, oh, I guess it would have to be three seasons ago now, uh, under Remy Gard, uh, and had done middlingly well. This is before Jale had arrived at the club. Uh, but had, but what my worry was prior to the match that Toliso has been so influential he against Dinamo Zagreb. He played very well behind a striker. Uh, he he's been fantastic in midfield as well. And my hesitation was that moving Toliso on out, out wide, particularly with Tusar playing in place of the suspended Gonalone, would have Leon lacking that bit of uh, physical power and box to box energy that Toliso brings when he's at his very best. But what we simply saw was a well-balanced Leon side where uh, Rebus pr provided great energy on the left, Talisa provided the same on the right. And it was that sort of balance that was really the club's undoing against Sevilla midweek, and it was what they had in spades uh, in this encounter as well. Uh, decent decent defensive performance as well from the three center backs. Um, so, yeah, just a, just a great, really strong performance, uh, a balanced side. Uh, you might have taken Valbuena to task, especially given how much brighter the team looked when Gazal came on. But other than that, I think this could fairly be argued as Leon's best performance of the season. Yeah, and, and it just shows you how good of a player Toliso is and, and why Napoli were really, really pushing to, to sign him in the summer. But another player that really impressed Philip, and he's impressed us for the last couple of weeks since his return, is Nabil Fakir. It almost seems like he's he's desperate to score that goal that will finally sort of click him into first gear. But he's he's really really pulling the strings at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's trying. Um, he's he's trying a lot. Uh, Rufier had uh, an exceptional game uh, last um, last night, and it, and uh, it's it's quite amazing that Nabi Fiki didn't get uh, didn't get on the score sheet um last night but i think i think it'll i think it'll come i think i mean i think he's uh he's showing the signs of fitness a bit like balote i'm i'm not quite sure he's at 100 percent physically um but uh technically still yeah he's still uh he's still great um and will uh will come in with uh with a good no problem um of, of that we have a little doubt uh there was quite of um uh debate uh after the game where I think it was uh, Fikir playing with uh, Valbuena. Uh, so correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. And uh, it was uh, Raymond Domenech, so the former France uh, coach, extremely successful, um, who uh, who said that this this relationship did not work. Uh, did you see it that way as well? Yeah, I, I just think that the the in this three-five-two, the best that Leon had generally looked, particularly in those two. Is when you have movement energy to draw to draw players about, and that's been primarily done through the willing running of Maxwell Cornet. Cornet was injured for this match; looks to be out about a month. Uh, and without him, the space that is needed for that that second striker, if you will, that playmaker, mm. just wasn't there. Valbuena uh, is not the kind of player who's who's going to do that to peel off wide and, and to track back and draw space. And instead, Fakir was forced to do that. Now, granted, it worked very well at some times. Uh, the assist to Dardare in particular, uh, he's in Fakir can do fantastically well cutting it from the wing. But I think in general, uh, the system works best if it's the striker who's doing the running uh, and allowing space uh, for, the, for the attacking midfielder and the central midfielders to run into. And we didn't have that because because of Valbuena's uh, inability to, to get about the pitch uh, as much as the likes of Cornet can. So for me, I would have rather have seen uh, Gazal get the start. I mean, he showed his effectiveness coming in and getting the goal. I think he, Gazal's had a bit of an underwhelming start to the season, but he showed, uh, especially in the run-in last season, just how fantastic he can be uh, if given a consistent run of matches. And at least until Lacazette's back, back fit and fighting, I think that a, mm. a front two... Uh, and, and Corne, a front two effect here in, in Gazelle probably makes the most sense. 
What, what, uh, when is Lacazette supposed to be back? There's not a timetable on his return. There's oh. a slight chance he'll be back for Nice, but I, it's it's pretty up in the air at this point. Oh, all right. So uh, in two weeks, mm. minimum. Oh, didn't, yeah, didn't didn't realize it was uh, that uh, that recent. That's, uh, yeah. What and um, that's probably the question I'm asking you every time uh, every time we talk about about you know, Valbuena's Valbuena's future. I mean, um, he. Uh, I mean, not uh, not a particularly uh, popular guy in um, at, at Lyon. Still, I'm, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm amazed that he's still at the club. I mean, uh, is, does he still have a, a valid future? And uh, and especially in order to get back in the French side, because this is what uh, he's going to play for now. It's it's a place at the World Cup. Mm. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? Because it's it's difficult to tell where he really has a spot. But I, I do want to mention another player that um, yeah. you, is is on that borderline of, of leaving. And you've mentioned him already, Eddie, Eric, in Rashid Ghazal. He's out of contract in the summer. Um, do you think that the club should offer him a new deal and, and get him tied down, or do you think he maybe should spread his wings? I I think so. I think that he's the natural replacement for Valbuena. This is a club that. Wants to be competing on two fronts, whether it's the Europa League or Champions League, uh, season in, season out. They're going to need a, a backup. Given the injury history of Fakir, given the injury history of Lacazette, who seems to miss time every season, uh, Clément Grigny is another attacking midfielder who's struggled with his fitness in the past two or three seasons. Uh, the Gazal has shown himself as someone who's adept at playing a variety of positions. He's great cutting off the wing. He's got a good eye, good eye for a pass. He can also score some goals himself. And I think that he should be looked at as one for the future. Uh, the question is whether the club can keep him happy without having him be a guaranteed starter because he's still, you know, in an ideal world, probably doesn't start if Leon are 100% fit. You'd probably look at a 4-3-3 with a front three of Corne, Fekir, and Lacazette, mm. and Gezal doesn't fit into that. I mean, the 3-5-2 is sort of a needs-must based on, based on injuries. Yeah, they may continue with it. There's some some suggestion of that, but uh, my worry if they continue in the three five two is that uh, with the lack of depth at center back, uh, you've really got Mamana and Diakabi as your only backups, uh, or maybe Yanga Mbiwa and Diakabi as your only backups at this point. Uh, but if they can keep him happy, I mean, this is a player who who has big ambitions. Who's 24 now at this point? He's not the young prospect that the likes of a, of a Corne. You know, I think Corne's twenty is uh, that's gonna that's gonna be willing to be patient and get his chance. But at twenty four years old, uh, you're someone who wants to take that step up and, and be an important factor on, on a on a team, uh, or you know, or make or go somewhere and make more money. I mean, there is, I believe, a rumor linking him to West Ham in the summer. Everton as well. I hadn't I hadn't seen that, but I think certainly for a player of his creative impetus. Uh, the lure of the Premier League is certainly something to be considered uh, if he's not given promises regarding his playing time at Lyon. The thing is, he has made a step up uh, yesterday. I don't think uh, I was actually quite surprised to see him score that kind of goal against a, uh, a such uh, such a good goalkeeper, uh, because I don't think uh, Gisal scores that that goal uh, two years ago. I think uh, oh. his, uh, his finishing is was uh, was uh, much worse than it is now. And uh, it's, I mean, it's a great strike. It's a great strike. It just shows that the guy's confident and that uh, now he can finish, which is great. Yeah, I mean, two years ago, he was abysmal under <laughs> yeah. under Fournier. I remember him coming well, It was a, some kind of a one-trick pony, I think of a bit of a, uh, no offense, Nathan, of a Nashley Young. <laughs> I, I wouldn't give him that much credit. He was removed before halftime against Marseille in the yeah. Olympico, I remember. I mean, he was really, really poor, but... Um, Genesio's really got the best out of him, uh, and I think yeah. you know he's got he's got a bright future internationally with Algeria as well, and he should be given a chance. So if he can mm -hmm. if he can be happy at Lyon, I, I think the club should do their best to keep him. Well, so yeah, it's a really interesting one because we speak that we'd like to see his contract extended, but he's not guaranteed a start. It's difficult to see him, in all honesty, getting a start at a club like Everton, who's doing so well, or even although West Ham are struggling, you think of their wide areas as probably their their strongest suit. So is it maybe best for him to stay at Leon and, and, and maybe fight for his place rather than try and resist the lure of that, that extra money that he'll earn in the Premier League? 
Well, the thing is, I don't think it's that it's his decision. Uh, I mean, I think if I think if you want to keep him, they will they will keep him because uh, I, I I don't know. I can't I can't I can't think that money was a problem for West Ham or Everton last summer. Uh, I think it was just a case of you know personnel. Are we going to are we going to play this guy? Are we are we going to pay money to play this guy or to put him on the bench? Um, and even if he's free next uh, next summer, I don't think it's going to make that much that much difference. That, what what he what needs to be done is uh, is Olas uh, will will he get uh, get out his checkbook and um, and up his uh, up his wages? That's a big uh, big factor. Um, well, the, oh, sorry. The issue with him not moving in the summer, I should say, is that uh, he was injured. He didn't he didn't yeah. play a match this season until the middle of September and. Had he been fully fit, I do think he would have he would have made a move this summer. But Leon are lucky for the okay. time being. Mm. And it's an interesting one. Is is that continues. Yeah, first game on tenth of September against Bordeaux? Mm. Uh, it's, starter. No, it's his only start actually. Yeah, it may it may be something that will run and run, but there is rumblings that a, a contract offer is in the in the works. But you've already mentioned the goalkeepers briefly. Um, Philip, but they, mm. in all honesty, both of them were fantastic and and showed that. Are they possibly the two best goalkeepers in Liga? Uh, <laughs> it's on the. I'm putting you on a spot a little. Bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, with uh, with experience, yeah, I would say yeah. Um, La, I'm, I'm, I really like uh, Lafon Subasic is a is a good goalkeeper. Kawaso on his day is uh, is unbeatable. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, um, maybe maybe we should do a, a top five feature uh, one of these weeks. To uh, to decide who's uh, who's uh, great, we, we've got uh, we've got Cardinal, who uh, who's doing quite well. Actually, he had a he, he didn't have a great night in in Krasnodar in uh, in Russia. Um, they're definitely <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in the, in the top five. But uh, I'll get back to you with a ranking <laughs> because I can't. Uh, the thing is, every t- every time we do um, a, um, a team of the ha- of the half season, or a team of the first half of the season, or a team of the season, we always end up with those two. And this season, I can't see see it any any different. Ariola, uh, obviously, uh, and other good candidates, but those two do tend to, you know. I think it's hard to see that <laughs> At this point mm. in the season in Ligue 1, especially given the performance he turned in uh, with Bastia, earned that scoreless draw against Nantes the other week. Uh, yeah. He's just been fantastic. His positioning, his, his power, he, just unbelievable. And I think that, you know, obviously Deschamps is, is certainly set in his ways, and I think their interaction earlier in the summer has something to do with that. But I think on a forum, he should be in that, in that France team as a third choice. I know Ariel has a bright future, but I think he should be rewarded with a a cap at some point. And and that that wonderful save to his right again with the strong right hand to Fekia. I really, really like that kind of save. He's a great goalkeeper. Plus I have um I, I witnessed the game against Anderlecht um on Thursday evening and uh, you, you just feel uh, the um fibrility, frailty, sorry. Uh uh due to not having uh Ruffier in goal but having uh Jesse Moulin. Which is probably the first time I've ever watched Saint Etienne with uh, with Ruffier not in goal. I'm exaggerating, of course, but this just goes to show that uh, when you have when you have that kind of presence between the sticks, uh, your your defense uh, ultimately feels more more confident. And I know that uh, Théophile Catherine Perrin, uh, Bayer Sal are all injured, um, but um, yeah, it's just so much more than good saves. Just sort of his presence is just phenomenal for for the defense. Yeah, and, and and speaking of Santetien, it was a li- we've already talked about it was a, maybe a slightly laboured performance, especially in the second half, Eric. And we've talked about the injuries they have and and the issues they're going to have going forward with, with this amount of games at the moment. Do they need to start focusing on Liga rather than trying at the Europa League, or does Christophe Galtier try and sort of still fight on two fronts? I think he should try and start on, on sorry continue to fight on two fronts. I think that. Uh... You know, Saint Etienne were a little bit unlucky. I mean, Pajot had some fantastic chances as well. Let's let's not forget in the first half that I would say Saint Etienne probably got the better of the first half against Lyon, and that's that's with a very hamstrung squad, no pun intended. Uh, I think that there certainly is the depth here that the players he he calls upon to play in these unorthodox positions 
Kevin Monet Paquet is left at left back. I don't think anybody would have thought thought that. I thought he was fantastic. I think that you know had Kurzawa not played a blinder for PSG, that you know Monet Paquet was arguably one of the best left left backs in the gun at the weekend, and that's not a natural position for him. He got up and down mm-hmm. the pitch really well. Uh, he showed that he can provide cover. Uh, should should Mbengue uh, and 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 or Pogba continue to take time to recover? I think that uh, the the tactical flexibility of these players, the tactical flexibility of, of Galtier, the, the likes of these these young players coming in, uh, the youngster uh, Nordin, who had scored the other the other weekend. Uh, there's there's certainly a lot of strong depth to this team, and you know, well, it may lead to some less than ideal decisions. I think Selness, you know, did not have a great game at center back for me, but yeah, I think so. There's every chance that uh, Sensatine can progress in that group and. And why not? I think that they're they are a fun team to watch. There's, there's a lot of interesting attacking talents on this team, and uh, provided Hamuma's not out, I mean he had to leave the match as well. <laughs> provided Hamuma's not out for an extended period, they they should continue to play on both fronts. Yes. Yeah. They must be um, swilled to have the international break, unlike all of us. But they must be <laughs> absolutely swilled with with all these injuries, and uh, they, they feel they felt knackered. They actually felt uh, not knackered against Anderlecht, but they, they, they just felt like they did not want to play that game. And to be honest, neither side deserved to score. So they just had all all the action was about the derby. I mean, it was almost like, well, we, we really don't want to play that European game. Mm. And, and they, yeah, they, they need that break. They uh, they honestly do more more than this. Yeah, exactly. When, when you're playing Lacroix and and Selnace at centre back, it shows you the the issues that they have at the moment. But all the squad death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, great win for Leon, and, and hopefully that, like you say, that international break uh, heals some aching wounds. But the the real eye catching result of the weekend was K- mm. uh, at Mets as Monaco trounced them seven nil away from home. It's Monaco's biggest away win in the league. Uh, Philip, it's a real mm. statement of tempt, isn't it, from Leonardo Jardim's men? Yeah, well, um, I was quite surprised to see them win 7-0. Um, more so on Metz's side than on Monaco's. I mean, yeah, Monaco can score goals. And uh, I, I was just checking this out on the, on my phone and thought, okay, well, maybe out of those seven goals, six were Fabinho penalties, which uh, doesn't seem that uh, that improbable. But the goals they scored, they were they were quite good. The double one-two between Jerome Moutinho and Valère Germain, Bernardo Silva, even uh, even Carrillo scored uh, scored a brace, um, which is great for his uh, which is great for his confidence. I just don't quite get how a side as organised as Mets just can. Um, get demolished like that not only once because it already happened once they already lost at uh, San Safaria at home to Bordeaux 3-0 and now they, they just lost uh, they just lost 7-0 it's really where, where on earth did that come from but uh, yeah to, to me Monaco are working on water there's a game they should be losing like there's a one against Leverkusen they didn't they didn't lose they they, they just uh, you you feel uh, complete cohesion within the squad. So a good goalkeeper. Glick, Glick has really sorted out the defence with uh, with Jemison. Very good. Uh, great, uh, great to buy those uh, two quality fullbacks um, in CDB. And I'm forgetting the other one. It was uh, Almami Torre at the weekend. He was he was terrific uh, at right back. Yeah, um, but that's not who I mean. <laughs> Sorry, Benjamin Mendy probably usually. Oh it? yeah, right. Uh, yeah, who's quite good as well. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't play, but he's quite good. <laughs> he, he's, uh, he, he's quite good as well. Uh, Fabinho uh, with uh, the 100% penalty uh, penalty record up front. Uh, Valer Germain is doing is doing the business. Um, it's uh, yes, yeah, it's gelling quite uh, quite nicely, and uh, you. You you feel that they can they can cope with uh, both competitions, which is which is great. And um, if not a, a contender for for the league, which I think they are fast becoming one, uh, a serious contender to knock out PSG in a um, in a knockout game. I of that I think the games will be much much uh, more tight than they used to be, which is good. Mm. Well, we talked about Messi's 
defensive issues after after especially after they went about two or three nil down and, and the sending off. But you know there's real problems when uh, Guido Carrillo is getting in on the act, Eric. But yeah. he, he he did reasonably well in this one. And it is could these two goals finally do the world of good for for the Argentinian? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Nathan. He is someone that's going to need to be called upon as the season wears on. We've got Germain, we've got Falcao, but given his injury history, how often can he feature? Uh, Mbappe Lotens an, an, an option as well. Kylian Mbappe, the youngster, but he's only just returned from a concussion, and his availability in the future is uh, to be determined on a week-in, week-out basis as he recovers from that. But, yeah, I think absolutely Carrillo is going to need to be an important contributor, particularly as Monaco uh, do seem to be privileging the Champions League, and as they should. They certainly have the talent to do well in this competition, win their group, potentially make the quarterfinals, uh, given the right draw. So uh, a great boost for Carrillo's confidence. I mean, he's another one of these younger players, like Almami Torre, who's not going to start the biggest fixtures, uh, but who is going to be really important um, in the league as, as the weeks and months go by and Monaco continue to play uh, a heavy uh, slate of fixtures. Yeah, it was a it was a strange one from the Argentine. He started reasonably well and and helped create a couple of chances and and really faded dramatically for about forty five minutes as he tends to, and then two maybe slightly lucky goals. He, I think his first he he at least starts the move very well and, and gets on the end of it, but the uh, the seconds maybe a tad lucky. But uh, Eric uh, Philip. It, it really started. That first goal was maybe a little bit fortunate. The the second is is a good strike yeah. from Germain, but it, the floodgates really opened after that red card, didn't they? Yeah. What was Didier doing on that first goal? You yeah, a complete uh, miscomprehension. Well, maybe it was uh, just uh, just pure luck. But yeah, the uh, the, the passing got uh, got much better, and uh, the chances the chances just came, and it looks much more fluid. You can't really believe uh, that this side last season were doing extremely negative and boring nil-nil draws. And actually, they were quite, uh, Monaco were quite boring against Angers a couple of weeks ago where they needed to two uh, goals from Camille Glee, one goal and one one own goal that he provoked. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it it really is like, where the hell did that result come from? But, mm. you know, it's uh, it's nice to see, unless you're a Mets fan. <laughs> Definitely, they they might have been uh, waking up to the the classic letters after the number where you really know that your team's uh, had a bit of a beating. But um, Eric, like you've already mentioned, this the Bashili had scored a goal that finished off the route, and and they brought on the likes of uh, and Doram as well during this game, and Batlotan did come on for the final ten minutes as well. <laughs> Is it really frightening this, the amount of depth? Should it really put the, the fear of God in the rest of the sides in Liga that this Monaco side really are here for, for the for the long haul this season? I think absolutely. And let's not forget that, you know, even if one or two of these players are sold, Alessandro Maximins had a brilliant start to his loan spell at, at Bastia. Uh, this is a, a really, really impressive Monaco team top to bottom with a great balance of youth and experience in, in terms of Moutinho, Gleek, um, Germain, but the young, young players are getting, getting it done as well. And I think that after, I think, a bit of a down season last year, the in, in, that in terms of the losses of Federer Carrasco and Marshall and Abdenor, uh, they've recovered really well with the way that they fought, uh, especially those two fullback positions and, and Gleek. And they've, they look really uh, set, to, set to be a contender until the better end of the season, you know, barring, you know, I think it would take two or three injuries, really, to really see this Monaco team undone in a significant way. And they, they do look strong and capable of fighting on two fronts. But, but fortunately, unfortunately for Mets, but fortunately for us, they've allowed us to introduce one of our new segments to the show, which I like to call, if I were manager, I will ask both Philip with his man management style and Eric with his tactical nous in turn, what they would do if they were in charge of a current Liga scenario. So this week is the turn of them both being the Mets manager. And after a heavy defeat, or a reasonable, and it's been a reasonable start to the season otherwise for them, Philip, what would you say to the players at, as they go forward after this international break to stop this from really corroding what has been a decent start for them? So I can do anything I want? Absolutely. You're, if you were the manager. <laughs> okay. So, um, <laughs> um, usually, well, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I'd make them uh, run uh, when they're 
hearts out or rather their legs out after such a such a heavy defeat because to me the defeat is uh it's probably not as severe as it uh, as it should have been because the goals were quite uh quite scored maybe a bit of a telling off yeah you know you know you did lose seven nil uh in front of your own uh, own fans granted against a good uh, a good monaco side but um, most of it will be low-key. This is quite tough, though, because most of the, a lo lots of players are going to go out on international duty, so, so some are going to get punished and some are not going to get punished. But anyway. Um, yeah, it's not, this is not easy, Nathan. This is not easy at all. Um, probably we install the confidence that's, um, that was... Um, their own when uh, when they won at uh, when they won at not um, saying that they're not such not such a bad side not changing anything because uh, to to me Mess are not having a bad season it's uh, two uh, bad defeats against Bordeaux and uh, and, and Monaco which is uh, more the exception than the norm so do you try and block this one out and and sort of move straight past it or yeah. do you keep hammering it home or? I don't I don't I don't do uh, I don't do any um, massive uh, squad changes or formation changes or tactical changes uh, just keep it just keep it um, uh, keep it the same because it was working uh, before and there's no reason it shouldn't uh, shouldn't work with uh, the players bought with Erding in form uh, and gets playing uh, playing quite well as well. Like like the look of the defense, defended very well at PSG. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'd change it. Hmm. <laughs> it was a bit worrying giving you the power then to do what you wanted. But yeah. <laughs> so so Eric, on a more tactical sense, probably they they did sort of fall apart, especially after the red card. There were gaps everywhere, um, and all it's was really a shambles really and they shouldn't have lost by that amount so what sort of plans would you put ahead for them do you do you change how they set up initially or do you change maybe how they should have reacted to this game or what uh, yeah. would you to avoid this in the future sorry i, I think the reaction is is the issue here uh decore goes off as one of the as one of the two uh, central midfielders in, in this 4-2-3-1 with with kohat as the playmaker and, and manjek alongside him and Instead, the reaction is to bring on Habib Diallo, a forward, uh, followed by changing your left back to bring in Benoit Suicato. Or sorry, I'm sorry, to bring on Diallo for Hein, and then after having changed uh, Signorino for Suicato at halftime. Now, meanwhile, uh, you've got Guido M M Milan, who's been probably Mets' best defender uh, this season, sitting on the bench. So. What I would have liked to have opted for is uh, to play a three-man defense with Valet Pisevac, who also had a mayor, by the way, and and Milan in defense, and and push up Aliu and and uh, Esuicado to to play sort of maybe a a three-four-two, if you will, or a three-four or sorry, a three. Uh, three, four, two. Yeah, to to get the best out of these players, and instead of bringing on these attacking players, which did nothing to assure solidity in the middle of the park, and continued to leave uh, the center backs. I mean, Bisevac has had a good time, you know, in league on his various stops, but he's never been the, the quickest. And to leave him exposed like that, without a, another central defender or an, a, next to him or another a defensive midfielder to provide him protection, I think Hinchberger really got that wrong. Uh, you know, Monaco were always going to win this match, especially as it was 3-0 before uh, Ducore's dismissal, but the fact of the matter is how he adapted to that made this a frankly embarrassing result. And again, you know, Mets, not a bad start to the season for how poor we, th that we thought they were going to be going into the campaign, but I think Hinchberger's going to have to take a, a long, hard look at himself and and think about that. Uh, hopefully, and get who is, is injured at the time being, by the way, uh, and uh, and Jan Chouf can return sooner rather than later. Kevin Lejeune, the captain's yet to play this season, so there are some positive positive things to look forward to in the future for Mets in terms of their injuries uh, not being as much of an issue. But I think that on the night, Hinchberger was asking for trouble, especially considering the options that were available to him on the bench. Yeah, and I, I, the person I feel most sorry for is Didilion seemed to be bombarded by the end for the fact that the lack of protection he got was outstanding near the end. But put this out of your mind, next game, 
then there's the international break and that's where we sort of head to now as, as Didier Deschamps has announced his Les Bleus squad ahead of the qualifiers against Bulgaria and the Netherlands this week and the surprise was a first senior call-up for Athletic Bilbao defender Emmerich Rapport and Eric, you've already written a great piece for the site on this subject so I thought I'd let you lead off of telling us why you think he should be in this squad. Yeah, I think this is, this is well-deserved on Merrick given uh, the way that uh, he's he's been playing for four or five seasons now. We've he's not a surprise anymore. But uh, what I said in the article, basically, if, if you've not read it, is that uh, in bringing in Laporte, you've got a great set of four young central defenders who give balance. And we've seen that Deschamps. Now, whether he continues to be the manager, that's another story. But you've got great balance. You have Zuma and Varane that can play on the right side. And you have Mtiti and Laporte that can play on the left. But also, both both can offer a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of versatility. I mean, Zuma is someone who can also play at right back or in, in defensive midfield, uh, and whereas Laporte doesn't quite offer that that amount of versatility, uh, he does provide uh, a more physical component. Whereas that's a little bit lacking with Mtiti. I mean, Mtiti is a fantastic player, but at five ten, five eleven, he's not the sort of big physical center back that uh, Laporte is, and. Uh, that allows Deschamps uh, a greater depth and a great, a great balance and a great platform in central defense for these young players. And this is the thing, right? We look at France as having all these exciting younger, youngish attacking players, the likes of Marshall, Griezmann, uh, Kingsley Coman, Ousmane Dembele, Nabil Fekir, who are all who are all fantastic prospects. But the defense, I mean, that was the big worry heading into Euro 2016, and. Well, it wasn't exactly the club's undoing. They did look shaky at, at, at certain junctures, uh, having to rely on the likes of Adil Rami. And now, mm-hmm. with, the, with this quartet of players, uh, I think that France are really well set up for the future. You know, maybe Laurent Koscielny probably should keep playing until the World Cup. But looking beyond that is where uh, France are, are really going to have to start to uh, do a little bit of soul-searching because Koscielny has been a fine player uh, for Arsenal and for and for France, he's been definitely their most reliable center back since the time he's been a regular with the team. Uh, but he's 31 this month, so beyond France, uh, beyond France's trip to Russia in 2018, hopefully they make, provided <laughs> they qualify. That is, uh, th- there's there's certainly um, going to be a necessary turnover in, in, at the center back position and. and uh, given the qualities that Laporte has, he's really the perfect player to step step into this void. Now, there has been some suggestion that, much like Spain had done in the recent past with Inaki Williams and Munir al Haddadi, uh, that they are capping him, that is, France are, are capping Laporte just to uh, tie him to France, uh, because he also is eligible for Spain, having, having been with uh, Athletic Bilbao for so long. But I think that's a cynical way to look at it. I think that uh, even with the injuries, Laporte is really earning this call-up uh, on the way that he he fills, fulfills a role. Uh, Deschamps has been, again, very, very adamant about the footedness, if you will, left foot, right foot, right side, left side, of his center backs in the past. And going up into the World Cup in 2018, uh, this makes the most sense, uh, both from a squad depth perspective uh, and from uh, the and from a perspective of the player's ability. And, and Philip, another inclusion that's a later one, and it was just announced just before the podcast by our own Twitter feed, that uh, um, Kila Mangala had to pull out, so the, the replacement is Presnel Kimpembe of Paris Saint-Germain. What do you think to his inclusion in the squad? Well, I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> it's uh, No, it's it's uh, quite good. I'm not quite sure why Mangala keeps getting uh, getting called off, uh, called up. Sorry. Um, no, it's uh, it's good to see that uh, Deschamps sees that uh, uh, Kim is playing regular season for PSG is doing uh, quite well. He uh, doesn't have a lot of uh, people in front of him for him to be a starter. Although you know it is only Thiago Silva and Marquinhos, which is quite uh, quite good. Um, hopefully I'll get uh, more chances, which well, if he does get more chances, it probably means that uh, either Thiago Silva or Marquinhos are going, going to get injured, which we, we, do, we do not wish. Mm, no, good, uh, good news. Question, question on the, um, on the uh, defenders, which is uh, 
basically my only remarks. Um, can we um, can we say something about Mamadou Seko's international career and its uh, status? Go for it. Uh, I think it's over. <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, his Liverpool career seems over as well, I think. So uh, he's not. He's he, not been. He hasn't played a single minute of football since uh, the Euros, has he? No, he he was sent back home during the uh, pre-season tour in the US for turning yeah. up late. Um, he oh, uh, this week he also on Snapchat, I believe, um, was criticizing why he hadn't played, even though he was fit. Um, so it's so all what, going, what, what, what was he saying? Yeah. I don't have uh, Snapchat. I, <laughs> if, not down with the kids yet. I. It's, um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember precisely, but if I remember rightly, it was simply very subtle hints that he um, particularly pleased that uh, he wasn't getting any game time despite being fit. But I will try and find it's, out what to say. It's not like they need him. I mean, I don't think this situation is going to improve, is it? So, so Snapchat said, now it's three weeks I'm fit to play games. I finish all my rehabilitation work. They don't want me to play um, even with a second team. Why, I don't know. Still working hard like a scout. It's a bit shelter. hard, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, Even with the second team, I mean, he could he could be playing with the reserves, so he could still get match practice. Mm. But I, I think his his Liverpool career is over, and I think Eric, yeah. you'll agree with this. There's too many good young French defenders really for him to be really worth a, a call up. He, even someone like Jeremy Matthews had a retirement this week as well. He's decided to to give up on the squad as well. So Eric, there's there's not really a place for him now, is there? No, I mean, if he finds another club and plays his way back into the frame. It'll be it'll be it'll be hugely impressive and hugely deserved if he does that, uh, but no, I, I think that the future should be with these slightly younger players. It's I mean it's a shame. Sako is twenty six, uh, so mm -hmm. he's not, not not even that old himself for a central defender. But no. I think the attitude he's taken here is really worrying, and it's an unnecessary distraction for uh, what's you know what's become an increasingly young French team, uh, particularly with the the inclusions of the likes of of Corsia Sidibe. Uh, Kurzawa, Dean, Dean, and uh, Umtiti into that into that defense, and Sako should have been perhaps you know a, a leader, a leading figure, but at this point he's too much of a distraction, and, and that leadership should fall to someone new, whether it's Larice um, or sorry, not Larice, uh, uh, Varane rather, who's been who has been named captain in the most recent fixtures in Larice's in injury absence. And um, where's Umtiti? Is he injured? Yes. Oh, yeah, good. Groin injury, I believe. Okay. So what's the deal here? Because I'm looking at the list on, on the Equipe de France's uh, Twitter saying Jerry Mathieu uh, is in the squad. So Jerry Mathieu has um, uh, gone injured, I, I assume, and then announced okay. international retirement. He's he's decided to pull out and then has retired from international okay. football. He believes uh, uh, he uh, from this is from the memory bank, so it's not verbatim. But from memory, I remember reading that he um, hasn't necessarily had the most pleasant of times with the French national side and isn't seen as a first team regular. Has barely played, so he's just well, ready he, to give up. I think. Well, he isn't. I mean, yeah. let's be <laughs> honest, isn't. He, he isn't. And so Mathieu was replaced by Mangala, and Mangala was pulled out. He's replaced by Kim Pembe. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, Okay, it's good to have Kurzawa there. No, ever e either. No, so that's an injury. Is that because he's injured or because uh, he's too old? I don't think I've seen anything about an injury. So no, no. Uh, which is great, thing. honestly. Which is great. Uh, it is my opinion that with France, um, uh, with the success that France had at the Euros, you know, aside from being being in the final by Portugal. Um, Fans had a good tournament, a successful tournament. We'll we'll look back at this at, at saying uh, fans uh, could have been European champions, and it's my opinion that Eva should have uh, should have retired. But if Deschamps straight on wants to say, okay, our new left back for the next generation, next ten years is going to be Levin Kozawa, well, I'm uh, particularly thrilled. Hmm. Look at what you did against Bordeaux. I mean, PSG look much, much better going forward, not even defending. You know, um, with Kozawa on the on the pitch, both hmm. goals came from the left side. Okay, one was offside, but um, 
you know, he's almost transformed the way PSG play uh, play up front, and uh, it, I, I would really, yeah, support the, support Kozawa being a starter for France for the next ten years. That'd be great. I am. It's, it's, it's a right back position. I'm more worried in. Yeah, he's. From what I can see, I don't think it was particularly any other than form. Maybe he was on the bench for Juventus at the weekend, which may mean he might not be fully fit. But there's nothing mm-hmm. I can I've found that suggested otherwise, or or why he might be, uh, why he might not be included. But let's talk about two players, Eric, that have been included, and that's uh, Nabil Fakir and, and Kingsley Coman, who's is returned to fitness as well. Um, how glad are you to see them, those two, back in the fold? Oh, I mean, Fakir obviously Deschamps has huge, huge hopes for him. He had even rearranged the formation to privilege Fakir in the match in which he was injured. Uh, just over a year ago. Uh, so obviously his dynamism, his ability to be a creative fulcrum and to also score goals, I think can make it a hugely important piece for France going forward. Coman, uh, I think, is another one. He is probably the really the only natural winger that France have, and we saw mm. the issues that we could ha- that the side could have with that and playing Sissoko in that position, whereas Coman is, is better able to stretch play and, and play with. We'd, we'd seen also Griezmann trying to play on the right, and it'd be sort of a failed experiment. But really, since Valbuena has been absent from the national team, there really hasn't been anyone to stretch play and to pull things apart in that way. And I think that Coman and his pace and his ability to, to deliver crosses is going to be really, really important as a change of pace for France, particularly as they uh, try to navigate what's well, not the easiest group uh, uh, particularly uh, given the way that they drew in Belarus uh, last month. Do we believe that Vembuena is actually going to come back under Deschamps, no. at least? No? I uh, is, is that the same firm now as Benzema, or is it maybe more lighter now? I mean, Philip, he's 32 years old, and his form hasn't warranted it, especially in a, as a creative player. Mm. I'm with firm now. <laughs> okay, it's probably the easiest way to put it. But let's talk about some people oh, just, who, yeah. who have probably missed out, and uh, maybe just as the likes of Sebastian Koshi has dropped out. Um, it could be argued that maybe someone like Adrian Rabio maybe should have had a call up, although mm. he's obviously in those under twenty one squads that um, are trying to push for maybe an unlikely berth to the uh, European Championships. Um, Philip, is there anyone you think has should be disappointed they, they've missed out? Or is there someone that you? No, I can't think. See? No, I can't think of any. Not really. I mean, Kosha does play for Lille, so he he can't really get called up from the start of the seasons they've had. Uh, Wabio, yeah, Wabio could have uh, could have gone ahead. Probably uh, in in the place in um, with Kabai not not getting called up. Uh, this is uh, yes, yeah, the ongoing problem. I think I think the Kabai situation is going to be a problem in the in the long run uh, if uh, Kabai's form doesn't improve for Crystal Palace. Um, and uh, if when France are not going to have a particularly good game, like what's the case against Bedouin, they couldn't do much. Um, it's possible that Deschamps may get criticism for calling Kabai over and over and over again. Um, but aside from that, no, I don't see any glaring um, omissions. No, Eric, yeah, no, no Ben Arfa, but uh, neither does Pierre uh, at the moment either. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. He did come in. He did uh, come come on as a sub against mm. Baldo, yeah, um, but I'm 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 thinking he's he's letting Unai uh, um, uh, get his house in order, and then he'll call Ben Arf and uh, um, probably um, either in November or next uh, March. Not Eric- sure when, but uh, I yeah, I think uh, he will. He won't get called up uh, sooner or later. Eric, is there anyone who you think has unfortunately missed out or anyone who's maybe a little bit lucky to get into the squad? I mean, I think obviously under under Pierre Gignac's in the, in the squad, uh, given his performances in the last two two matches, he's not deserving really of his place despite a good a good one for Tigres in Mexico. He's not uh, playing well. No, no. I mean, he no, he has he's doing fine in, in Mexico, but I, I think that he was really poor in in the last two matches for France. Uh, and I think it's only a dearth, of, a dearth of other options. The lack of fitness of Lacazette, Giroud, uh, Dembele being kept in the under-21s that's, that's keeping Gignac in the squad. I think, you know, were there, particularly because he does provide a unique option in terms of his physical presence, whereas the rest of the strikers are, 
little bit more reliant on pace, the likes of, of Gamero, Marshall, and Griezmann. Uh, so Gignac is sort of earning his spot by default. But no, I would have to agree with Philip. I don't see that there's any players who, you know, are probably undeserving of, uh, or sorry, are not not deserving of a place. That is. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that they're still trying to. <sighs> Maybe a bar on, a, a ho- holding on hope that they can get something from that under twenty one Euro qualification, but uh, it does mean a couple of interesting players like Dembele does, and probably someone like Rabio who may have been called up otherwise miss out. But uh, hopefully they'll do well for uh, Les Espoirs and, and see them through if they get a little bit of uh, results going their way as well. But that's all for this week. Uh, my thanks to Eric. Philip and to Lucas who joined us earlier and thank you to all of you listening at home Um, join us um, again this time same time sorry same place next week Uh, a bientôt and goodbye